Precision Addict Triathlon Podcast. We're brought to you every week by our sponsors, PrecisionHydration.com. Precision Hydration offer electrolyte drinks in different strengths to match how you sweat. Personalize your hydration strategy today at PrecisionHydration.com and get a free box or tube of pH worth up to $9.99 using the code OxygenAddict. And we're also brought to you by Thriver.co. Take health tracking to a new level with your personalized at-home finger prick blood test. Get £30 off your first test with the code OxygenAddict30. Cool. Welcome to the show, everybody. We have all kinds of good stuff in store for you this week, don't we, Hells? We do. And we're back from Malta. We are back from Malta. We have had an awesome trip. We are back officially in the studio, in inverted commas, in the studios. <laughs> I don't know where your studio is today, Hells. Today, my studio is my mum's dining room up in Blackpool. Ooh. I brought my little dude up for a visit to the grandparents for half term. So we're up nice and early. Um like it. My, mine's yeah. my lounge. Nice. Yeah. With um, it yeah, nice um, fine. It's all good. This is the studio, very different to last week, but um, this is the regular one. Last week was just something extraordinary. Mm, we're not we're not sitting overlooking the harbour with the sun setting and million dollar yachts sitting in the <laughs> harbour beneath us today, are we? No, no. <laughs> but we do still have a bit of a Super League, uh, influence. I'd say Super League triathlon theme going on this week. We sure do. So we had loads of stuff that we couldn't fit in last week's show. We've got this week a nice interview with Macca, Chris McCormack, who is uh, who's involved in the organization of Super League Try. Obviously, two-time Ironman world champion, ITU world champion. He must have won about 200 races in his career, mustn't he? And he is a man who has got the energy of 10 men. Yes. And you've got a cracking interview with him. He doesn't hold back. He was always known as having one of the one of the biggest opinions in sports and be not afraid to say it as well. So, And that <laughs> hasn't changed. No, it hasn't at all. Yeah, so that hasn't changed. So, yeah, it's really interesting to hear to hear that interview. And then you spoke to, like, the, the big boss of Super League Triathlon. Yeah, I managed to get an interview with Michael Dulce, who's the CEO of Super League Triathlon. So it's interesting to hear his thoughts on how it all started, where he sees it going. I tried to sneak some information out of him about where the where the events are going to be next year. Oh, yeah, I tried um, that too. Failed. Doesn't give a huge amount away, does he? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, listening for those, there's some, there's some good, interesting stuff coming from there. But until then, we have some results from around the world and the racing that's been happening this weekend, Hells. Let's kick that off with a shout-out to new old sponsors, Thriver. Thriver are back on the show. Now, people will remember Hells us talking about them from back in the springtime. Thriver do these really cool at-home blood tests. We came across them because I needed to do some blood tests because I wasn't feeling so good, was I, back in the no. spring? Do you remember? Yeah, yeah. And I tried to book to see the GP, and the GP's appointment was about 17 and a half years in the future, if I remember correctly. If you can even make an appointment to phone the GP to get an appointment. Anyway, long story short, Thriver send you this really cool little blood test kit through the post in a little funky cardboard box. You just use one little finger prick thing. You squeeze out four or five drops of blood into the tube. 
maybe six or seven drops of blood into the tube actually i'm not exaggerate holes yeah uh, you post it back and a day and a half later you've got your blood test results online which for me was awesome because i just haven't got time to get to the doctors to yeah. get all this done yeah. if in fact you can get the doctors to do it for you in the first place so they do all manner of stuff it's totally personalized you can have your cholesterol your liver function things like diabetes tested vitamin levels for me the big ones at the time i was really really sort of knackered and exhausted all the mm. time and i didn't know why so they gave me guidance on the testing that they thought i should have it was things like vitamin d levels vitamin b12 levels testosterone and sex hormones had them all done and they were all really low and and i got some advice back from they employ gps who kind of write you results of your tests and they said right you're on this vegan diet this is one of the things that is a real problem for vegan diets. You're really, really low in protein in your diet, so you need to take care of it. They didn't say you have to start eating meat again. They said eating more protein is going to really help you. Yeah. So I had some more tests done. Next week, Hells, we're going to reveal the results of my six-month-later tests Ooh. after having made dietary changes. And I think we'll talk through that because it'll be interesting for, you know, there's lots of stuff on Netflix at the moment about this Game Changers documentary about the vegan diet. So it might make for an interesting discussion next week with the with the results of the tests coming through. So cool. Yeah. 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 So listeners of the show, you can get £30 off your first test with the code OxygenAddict30. Right, Hells, race results. Ironman Malaysia was was the big race this weekend, wasn't it? It, it, it was the uh, the big one of the big uh, races, and uh, always sort of hot and sweaty, and just ridiculous, ridiculous temperatures to have to deal with. And um, Javier Gomez was on the start line, and he went and sort of absolutely smashed it, won it, dominated it, didn't dominated, he? and secured his Kona slot for twenty twenty, which obviously is great and i just think that again so because he has said he really wants to concentrate on you know he's come back into icu he wants to go yeah, for tokyo right. yeah so the fact that he's now got his kona qualification sorted for 2020 brilliant because then again you've got another big name i know he's been before and i think did he come 11th like last year um and it'll just be it'll be already yeah. there you go so you've got gomez in surely brownlee's going to want to be um i i imagine coming back to because he said i'm not done with that in you mm. know after after his race out there then after if you heard our interviews last week with the likes of um gustav eden and christian blumenfeld and gustav would just go and have to they uh, fancy a bit don't they yeah they, they just fancy validate, it he they? just has to validate Blumenfeld said, well, I might go along to Kalmar and just see if I can qualify. <laughs> what, a, what a Kona! <laughs> yeah. It'll be interesting, I think, to have to have Gomez do a performance like this when it's really, really, really hot. Obviously, yeah. you look at it and go, really hot and humid. It bodes really well for Kona. Because he went, he went eight eighteen as well, didn't he? Which is, which is very fast on that course. I don't think it was actually a course record, but I have, a, I have an inkling that Running 254 off the bike in that kind of heat and humidity. Yeah, that's impressive. Yeah, really good. So yep. it's another piece of the puzzle if he's gone and... I know when he qualified last time, did he win at... Was it somewhere in Australia? I'm guessing Um, it, it, So it, it was Cairns. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that was that was where he qualified. Yeah. So this was only his third Ironman. Yeah. 
awesome so, yeah, so it's hands. just great to have to have these big names that have been massive on the itu stage also coming in to race kona and kind of still mixing racing, it up yeah racing yeah. all distances it's fantastic isn't it yeah 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 so he took the win um and then we'll kind of we, we can just mention the podium shortly but i was going to say in the women's race um jocelyn mccauley who Again, I, I don't think she holds back in 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 her hopes and and what she believes. And she was sort of going into Kona, kind of pretty much saying, "I I, I can take Danielle Reef down after having gone pretty close with her in Texas, wasn't Texas, it? Texas, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. And then didn't have the race that she had obviously hoped for there. And then she had a massive lead uh, on the run, and then had to drop out at thirty k in Malaysia. So. Yeah, Again, well, that's, that's one of those ones. I was looking yeah. at it and thinking, well, like halfway through, thinking, well, she's got this wrapped up with yeah. an over ten minute lead, yeah, and then game over at the thirty k mark. Yeah, so she's obviously had two kind of crappy race results recently. Yeah, and then you look at the person who then went on to to win it because you've got to be in it to win it, haven't you? Uh, you got to be in it to win it, Hells. <laughs> you know, you never know what's going to be happening. So Tessa Kortikas from Netherlands, who probably apart from uh, I imagine a lot of people have not heard of. Apart so, from track geeks like us, no one will have heard of her, will they? No. So she was an age grouper. This is her first pro race. Um, she did win her age group at the World Championships uh, last year, she would have done. Um, yeah. So I imagine Ruth Purbrook knows her quite well as well. Um, yeah, so she went to win and uh, did a 3.35 marathon. Kona qualified just goes to show doesn't it sometimes all you've got to do i mean and absolutely no disrespect to anybody who's finished that race because it's super super brutal 335 marathon isn't the kind of thing you'd associate with winning an ironman race is it but you put it together in and that heat. the finish line yeah exactly hold it together so tessa corticus uh, got her slot and then yeah in the men's race javier gomez and then philip kootney who again we saw he was right he up was there on the bike Kona. He? yeah he was eighth in kona yeah just yeah. a few weeks back so so he was That'll second. be validation for him, won't it, for next year? No, I reckon no, he'll still have to qualify. I thought top ten got slots automatically. Mm. Did he change that? I'm sure. Might be mistaken. Yeah, no, 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 no. He'll have to he'll have to qualify. Oh, uh, okay. Yep. Uh, and then Tiago Vinal of Brazil was third. Cool stuff. All right, other races we have seen from around the world today. It was the Xterra World Championships out in Maui, which I wanted to I wanted just to give a shout out for this, Hals, because it doesn't get a lot of coverage in the triathlon press, does it? But I think more and more with people's interests kind of diversifying within multi-sport, I've got this feeling that Xterra mountain bike triathlon is going to become another thing that people look to to kind of refresh their triathlon careers both in terms of age groups and pros so the world champs in maui's got a very similar qualification system to kona or the world 70.3 championships you've got a winner slot at one of the big races around the world and win number five for flora duffy on the women's side she dominated it didn't she yeah that is that's amazing she was out of the water she was third overall i think into transition yeah, so right. men and women she was in there third and I, th I do think she did get the second fastest swim but maybe someone sort of overtook her going into transition but um yeah that that's amazing and given that she did have it, such a horrible season basically had to sit it out didn't she with injury and just yeah to kind of put that behind you and overcome all the doubt and 
go out there and put out a dominating performance like that because she beat Leslie Patterson um who I think has won it three times herself that's right yeah yep. um by about 14 minutes yeah so an absolute domination for her mm. which is mm. brilliant and hopefully that means um she'll be back on track next year for Olympics year hopefully injury worries behind her because she's one of these athletes who really affects the field isn't she with the way she races yeah yep. swim and bike yeah, yeah. I was reading, I did a bit of research about this. Bermudans can also have a British passport. So can we have a race for us as well? <laughs> <laughs> can, we, can we bring her in? We don't, we don't need any more amazing women. No, that's very true. We do not need any more amazing women in triathlon. There, we, there should be, are... we should be allowed five or six of them. Well, exactly. That, that <laughs> would be, you know, five or six slots. Exactly. But... um. Being a British female Olympic distance triathlete at the moment is a bit like being a Jamaican or American sprinter, isn't it? If, yeah. You can be you can be fourth or fifth best in the world and, and not even not get to go best. to the Olympics, unfortunately. Yeah, exactly. So um, no, as much as you know, love Flora, but um, no, I I, th- I think we have enough competition <laughs> currently with the with the British women. We do not need um, anyone else. <laughs> so also a win on the men's side for Bradley Weiss. It was his second win there. So good stuff. And then also you noticed Martin Van Riel at the military games, didn't you? Yeah. he. So it, again, if you listen back to um, to the interview that we did with him at Super League Triathlon, I said, oh, so is this now downtime for you? And he said, no, 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 I'm going to China to compete at the military games. Um, and hopefully I can beat the Frenchies, was what he said. Uh, he, he didn't. He came second, and it was actually won by Pierre Lacour. Um, and then he is... Who's at Super League as well. Yes, yep. Yeah. And then Martin is heading on to go and do his first 70.3. So I heard a story about... Did you see this in the press about the World Military Games? No, I haven't. No, go on. It's being held in China. Yep. And there was an orienteering race, and... One or more of the Chinese competitors got disqualified because the crowd were helping them cheat. Really? The crowd were kind of going, it's over there, <laughs> like pointing out to the Chinese athletes where the controls were. And they got they got disqualified for it because I... of cra- like crowd doping. I, I, I didn't see that. I did not see that. <laughs> Love it. That's, that's exactly the kind of crowd help you want, isn't it? But just don't get caught. Oh, yeah. Business Insider. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a trust, trusted news source of, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> wow. I'll read that it. later. I'll save it for some for some really highbrow uh, reading material. But yeah, great work by Martin <laughs> Van Riel and good luck in your first 70.3 uh, in still in China. Good stuff, right? We're going to kick over into our interviews of the week. We'll run these back-to-back hells. We'll go first with Super League founder and double world champion Chris McCormack and then Super League CEO Michael Dolst. So, Maka, Chris McCormack, um, here we are in uh, in Malta. We're actually here at Super League. Um, yeah. How's it going for you? It's always a bit of anxiety. It's like, uh, you know, the couple of days before the event. And uh, I guess once it gets started, you start to relax a bit. The youth and juniors have been racing, which is good. And, you know, I think the most stress I've ever been was three weeks ago in Jersey when we saw these clouds come in and these storms and, uh, and all the change we had to make there. So with the sun out here, I'm a lot more relaxed. It's pretty different, isn't it, to Jersey? Very, very different venue, very different place. And uh, to be an island that's never really touched triathlon was... Uh, makes things at times difficult because they don't understand a lot of things but in other in other in other ways they're very very supportive of uh, 
because they don't have any preconceived opinions of our, our sport. So trying to get more and more people to come down and experience what we're doing. And, uh, you know, it all starts with the junior and youth athletes. So it's great. Are you surprised at how, like, the growth that it has had so quickly within, like, what, two years now that it's been going? Is it, is it better than you expected? Is it not quite where you had hoped? I don't think it's growing quick enough. <laughs> I'm impatient. I guess that's uh, the old athlete in me. I, I just want to do good things for the next generation. I think, this, you know, I'm very thankful for what the sport gave to me, and I think I lived to some degree its glory is that's probably arguable but uh you know i just think the, the next generation the generation of stars we're seeing now are the best athletes we've ever seen on this planet that do this sport and they've just never had the opportunity to have a platform to excel at and we've just got to be realists the the way media is being done now the way people um, view sports is, is changed and if you continue to do the things we're doing in the 80s and 90s and the early millennium you're going to fail so i thought super league the changes there would, would be great and uh it's been a slower uptake as, as, as some of the established stars, are also on the women's side than the men's, I'll be honest, um, have taken their time to, pull, to come aboard. Katie Zafaris has been amazing. There's been a whole crew of the women that have been amazing. But it's, it's mainly been the younger athletes that have jumped aboard this and said, this represents everything we, we love about triathlon. And that, that's been really, really cool. Why do you think the uptake has been lower than amongst the women? I think there's a lot of... Um, uh, not on the women's side. I think I think there's been a lot. Of, there's a lot of um, preciousness about a lot of the, these federation-supported athletes. I'll be honest with you. It's uh, and there's, there seems to be no element to pursue professionalism in the way we used to. I, I guess to them being professional is having a great Instagram post and a, and a wonderful following. I, but for me, professionalism was always a matter of supporting partners, giving, getting big. Uh, you know, making making a profession out of the sport that was sustainable beyond your beyond your retirement, and that, that that sort of mindset has sort of disappeared over the last ten or fifteen years, and people f I find them more more complaining about what tennis players and the boxers and the UFC fighters are getting, and not looking at what they can do to do better for themselves. And uh, and I yeah, I think that's that's oh, that's just my only own preconceived idea of it. But I, you know, that being said, there are a lot of amazing people that do support it. But I I was expecting a lot more. A lot more uptake considering all the stuff we're, we're putting into it. Yeah, you know, fourth place in Kona, it's $20,000. You can win $20,000 with us every weekend. Like fourth place in Kona is a career. For So this whole discussion of people to go to long course, long course is dying, man. Like compared to what we, I was winning the same money they were making in the 90s. Right? It's, it's, it, it's, it's, it's about people being real and having a look at it and asking themselves if they do see themselves as professional athletes and what they are doing to, to help grow the sport, not just for themselves, but for everybody. Do you think that the Olympics is kind of to blame, almost like the Olympics, the funding, the governing bodies, like that is golden, isn't it? An Olympic gold in terms of funding, and so the athletes want to concentrate on that. Oh, I think the Olympics is the greatest thing to ever happen to the sport. I, 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 I'm a massive supporter of the Olympic Games, but tennis players also are in the Olympic Games. You know, surfing's now in the Olympic Games. You know, what you need to realise is these hugely basketballs in the Olympic Games, footballs in the Olympic Games. They're, they're is an ability to coexist and uh, and it's about athletes understanding if you you know a lot of my friends are professional surfers I have a lot of tennis friends uh, and you just see the absolute difference in their mindset and, the, and their being as opposed to to triathletes to some degree a, a lifestyle people they're not really you know they, they get in these federation funded programs and they're just happy to come to Malta and have a holiday and get the free buffet and 
put a, a national suit on, take a few Instagram photos of themselves, and and that's considered a career. Like a, it's um, yeah. I, I, I don't know who it is to blame. I think maybe I'm just getting old. I'm 46 now, and I'm sounding more and more like my father every day. And uh, and I just struggle to understand the way that the younger generation thinks because there was there just doesn't seem to be this this desperation of, of everyone. I feel that everyone nowadays thinks they got a lot of time, and I, and I, I reflect back on the days of Alistair Brownlee when he came along as a 19-year-old, and it was like he raced every race like it was his last race, and that made a champion. Now Vincent Louis now is doing the same. You have Katie Zafaris who are doing the same. A lot of other people are like ah, you know what? It's November. I like to go down to Spain at this time of year, and I like to. It's like what? You're a pro athlete, you know. Like it's. Uh, oh, it just is what it is. So how are you going to? increase that uptake then for next year focus on younger athletes okay. focus on the youth and, and, and now now with the Olympic qualification pursuit done in, in March of next year you're going to have a lot of people that probably look at us and go oh well, I thought I was going to make the Olympics and now my life sucks and maybe for the first time in four years they're going to reflect on where they've what the last four years has meant to them because they've been kicked to the curb and uh, and maybe they'll look this way and and start to understand that that, well, unless you take control of your own destiny as an athlete, to some degree, then you're always at the, at the mercy of, of others, and that's a terrible place to be. And I think that's been my drive at Super League is, is to have, when I say, totally transparent lines to the championship series. I don't care if you're blue, black, orange, yellow, professional, not professional. If you think you're good enough to get in the Super League, come to a qualifier, race, and do a result. You're in here. And that that's the purity of sport at, at, at when you're when you're a junior kid, that's how you think sport is, and it's only when you get older that you see the corruption and the, and the, and the lack of transparency. And I want Super League to be that that clean, and uh, I'm hopeful that the athletes then will start to reflect and come across. And if not, my all, all our attention now is on Generation Next. I don't care about the old people because they're to some degree the um, they've gone through this this cushy cushy way of life and, and it's, it's going to be hard to rechange that and it's only when they get to 46 like I am now they're going to go geez that was a complete and utter waste of time in my life <laughs> is that horrible no I don't mean to be horrible but it's, it's true you know it's true what are race plans for next year then because like we said you do have the Olympics yes. and then you're going to concentrate on this after the Olympics right yes yeah, so what, what we did was after speaking with the athletes because we try and involve the athletes in a lot of the decision making processes for the series and we have an athletes administration an athletes group and they you know one part of that group is as we raise more money because we every year we increase 20% of the prize money it's part of our vision for them it's where we don't say where that money is it's not 20% of the prize money it's 20% of all revenues and we allocate that to the athletes they tell us where they want that they might want to fly a business class they may want to stay in better hotels they may want to eat caviar I, I, I don't care that's their call they may want more money in the qualifier series which was the decision last year we had no money in the qualifier series. Now we have qualifiers make prize money, uh, and uh, so. But we also are respectful of their Olympic aspirations, the WTS series and the ITU, and what's happening. We don't we don't want to be disruptive in the sense that we don't want to ruin anything, but we also want to be we want to also coexist. So we spoke with them, we spoke with the ITU, and said, okay, well, let's have an Olympic break, which is difficult to to pull when you're speaking with networks and television networks and we're the only brand in the sport that is totally dedicated to to that type of, of push 
and we're going to have the Olympic break, and then we'll have five races post the Olympics, and that that will be announced after this series. So you don't know yet venue-wise. We know the venues, yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. Well, we've so you're got, not telling me the venues. Not telling you the venues. <laughs> <laughs> but I reckon we might be back in Malta and Jersey. Malta and Jersey yeah. are definitely on. You'll have uh, two more European venues and two more um, um, Asian venues, and then. The following year we'll have, and what's happening now, because we got qualifiers that coexisted, so that's why we have semi-finals now, is we'll be, the qualifiers that are doing this year will also be in the next year. We'll have 40 during, four, instead of 25, we'll have 40 races in the series next year, which is why you're seeing semi-finals now, which has been difficult because the women's field are only like 22. We have a few injuries and suddenly you're like, why are you having a semi-final? There is method to our madness, despite it um, at times not, not looking that way, but uh, that's because of the changes we made this year. Do you enjoy your role in, in Super League? I love it. I, 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 I'm so thankful that I found the sport of triathlon when I did. I, you know, I could have been an accountant miserable in, the, in a bank. And, uh, and I spoke at a bank yesterday here in Malta and they were shocked that I was a banker because they said, you seem so animated to be a banker. I'm like, no, I just, uh, you know, I'm very thankful I found triathlon. It gave me my life. I met my wife through it. I've got my, my bridal partner, my best friends in my life came out of this sport. Also my biggest enemies. <laughs> but it, it's been my life and I just think it is such a beautiful sport uh, in, in every capacity. The athletes are phenomenal and I, I try not to be biased, but I, I, I look at people at times and say, mate, do you understand how good these people are? And I just cannot understand how people can't grasp that. And it's not about me, it's about them. And, and so I love Super League because I'm doing everything I possibly can to to showcase how remarkable these kids are, the, the current generation, the next generation to come, and by giving them a platform and showing the world what they can do, I think people will jump on board the sport and discover it the way I did. You mentioned remarkable there, Jan Fredino's performance in oh. Kona. Oh, he's the greatest performance I've ever seen. Uh, Jan Fredino is probably my favourite athlete of all time. I, I just think he's He's the epitome of professionalism in every capacity, his preparation, in, in his race selection, in the way he races, in his talent, his sponsor selection, the way he holds himself. He's what every single professional triathlete in this sport, the one the young kids should be looking at, is how you be a brand. Right? And uh, you obviously have to win. And what he did in Kona was... And, we're get, and I, I said it in an Instagram post because I, I often reflect on it because I'm a geek for this stuff. Is in five years people will just look at the result. Oh, yeah, Fredino won in 2019, but I want no one to forget what was on, what was at stake for him this year. He was he'd been out for two. He had a German champion who was the record holder from the same country. If he didn't win this year, he was yesterday's news because our sports sport is cruel. Not our sport. All sports are cruel. He put it all on the line and he stated his intentions and there was so much at stake and there were so many other stars that were in the mix and Alistair Brownlee his nemesis from short course was in and and so much happening and he made a mockery of them all and it was brilliant to watch I, I was a frothing absolute frothing geek fanboy of that race he was amazing so the best performance but for me the best performance knowing that because no, I, I, it's not about me but I had a very similar and I, we spoke about it in Bahrain I got on really well with Fian we, we worked together with Breitling and we are in the Bahrain team together and I, I had a very similar I was in a very similar place in 2010 with an Australian guide won two I'd only won one question marks about me being finished and him being the new way forward and, and you have to stand up and state your intentions and everyone thinks you're an idiot and there's a lot of people backing the champion and and, and his frustration about people forgetting how good he is and that was my where I was in 2010 and to come up stand up and do it 
mate, he, he, he should have a good, he's having a good time now and he should, he deserves it because I know the head, the physicality to get in that position is one thing, but the headspace you've got to get yourself into, knowing that's all on the line. When all the people are gone and you're standing in that bathroom before the race and, and you wake up at four in the morning, you have your shower and you look at yourself in the mirror and it's just you and you, it's a, it's a, he'll remember that for the rest of his life. He'll be very proud of himself. What did you make of Ali's debut? I thought I thought Ali was uh, I thought Ali was good. I, I I want I think Ali will will be successful in this race. I thought he was more patient than he was. He lost his marbles a little bit after that flat tire coming back from Harvey. But apparently, he said that like he had a go for like not waiting for that for him. That was what I heard. I I um. A little bit of a no, shove yeah. at the finish line as well. No, I, no, I think that was that was a bit blown out of proportion. You know, it was. I think he fell off the step and, and bumped him. Alistair's just such a massive competitor, and I was. He was a lot more attentive to it. I'm, I'm, I'm glad he's gone through it because I spent a lot of time with him this year talking about it, and I, I always feel very anxious talking to guys as good as Alistair Brownlee. Mate, this is what I did. I'm like, dude, I know you're the man, but but I know, I know what it takes because in 2002 I had a 30-minute lead there in Kona. I was Alistair Brownlee, world number one and short course and thought it was going to be shit easy and I walked and didn't end up not finishing. But I blew a 13-minute lead and Alistair was in the same position. But he'll, he'll walk away, he'll come back. Um, but what he, what he realises, I think now, is that you can't you can't split your bets. You're either an Ironman athlete or you're going to do the Olympics. And that was interesting because in his pre-race interview, he actually said that, you know, I think you can mix. I, I, mate, not, I, I don't think so. But that was pre-race. Yeah, I don't think so. And, and, and I think Jan Frodeno showed him why you can't do that. And, and, Jan, and as I said to Alistair, and I've said it to everybody, the, the difference between Ironman and everything else is you can... Alistair, I can go for a run with you, or, or my friend here can go for a run with you over the pace you're going to run Olympic district, and they can't keep up with you. But we can go, I'll take you on a run right now that's the pace that's going to win Ironman, and it's easy. But you've got to do it at the six to seven hour mark of the Ironman, and that's the frustrating thing as a, as a short course athlete, and a very good one, um, that's used to having a knockout punch being your sheer power and strength. Knockout punches don't win Kona, right? It's consistent pressure wins Kona. And that pressure is, is hard to apply for long, long periods of time. And then knowing when to have a knockout punch off that consistent pressure is key. And, and when, I always think of it like Ali Foreman and, and the Roper Dome. You know, Foreman should have knocked Ali out, but he didn't, right? He just wore him out, wore him out. And then before you know it, Ali's got knockout power. And that's the same in Ironman racing. And that's where I think you can't hedge because they require two completely different things and you end up being average at both. Which way would you go then for 2020? If I was Alistair Brownlee, I'd, there's nothing left in, in short course racing for Alistair Brownlee to prove he's the, the greatest short course triathlete ever, period. Uh, the most entertaining I've ever seen in my career. He's, he'll be dearly missed and he's looking for a new challenge. And I know, the, I just know the competitor he is. He would hate what just happened in Kona. And I think as a fan of triathlon, I selfishly want him to go at Kona way because I think with him there and Harvey coming back and maybe Jan's gone but Patrick Langer and Keenlay and T.O. and all these it's just it's a great new era of racing we get to witness Love it. and it all starts right here yeah and then you know you'll probably see one of the, the young kids coming out of here doing Kona but hopefully we can keep them in in short course racing a little more because I still think short course racing is is the breeding ground for for the sport, it's 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 where we sow and uh, uh, all, all the future talent and Ironman in its in its uh, 
the monolith that it is, is, is and the business that it is doesn't truly appreciate that yet. So I think it's important that athletes, amateurs and, and, and youth and everybody come out and support and shorter racing to just to keep keep that growth up into Ironman racing. It's a, it's a, it's it's, it's important. Would you, would you let a Vinikurov come into Super League? Uh, would I? No, no, no. no. I'm, not a, I'm not a fan of... Um, uh, you know, I'm not a fan. I, I'm also not a fan of people. I was reading on social media. I'm not a fan of everyone criticising every single performance that's ever been done. In fact, I find them weak as piss. Those people, uh, and they're just poor excuses of humans that want to question the performances of a Jan Frodeno or. A, but I, I understand why there's a there's a. a a question mark over everything because of everything we've been through. But uh, I, I just, I, I also hate the athletes that, because I always find the athlete that wins about the drugs is the athlete that needs to justify why they're not winning and just not accepting the fact that they're just not good enough. And then you've got all these people that feed that, that, that ugliness of, of the sport, of, of sport. And I understand why people feel that way, but if there's, if there's no smoke, zero smoke in the case of some of the athletes then there's no fire if there's smoke ask questions yeah, and they're doing it with Mo Farah now there's a shitload of smoke Mo right so your question to go yarn for Dino or an Alistair Brownlee or anything mate piss off in the case of Vinokurov there's not only smoke there's a bonfire there's a fire he's, now he's an amateur he's not pursuing and, and he's allowed to race sport um, so he's not technically not doing anything wrong um, could he come and race a Super League age group race I wouldn't stop him I just uh, wouldn't wouldn't rejoice him in the same way that Ironman did with it's so wonderful to have you here on our island I don't think you need that yeah, personally Personally. Chris, thank you so much. Too easy. Cheers. <laughs> okay, so I'm joined here by CEO and founder of Super League, Michael Dulce. Michael, thank you so much for inviting us here. This is an absolutely amazing experience. Are you happy with how things have gone so far? Uh, um, yeah, I'm happy. I'm happy. We had a, a challenging event uh, three weeks ago in Jersey. Uh, kept me up most of the nights uh, over the whole weekend. Uh, and yeah, the weather conditions were the challenge. And obviously here we have beautiful weather. This is beautiful scenic environment and, and everything has gone very smooth so far. Right. So yeah, very happy with it. Yeah. So you've got incredible scenery, you've got beautiful weather. We've got some incredible athletes racing. Like first up, I want to just say it's brilliant to watch the youths and the juniors racing and the yeah. fact that they're all in the same kit. The pros are in, they've all got the names on. You've really made them feel really professional. So that's awesome. Uh, it's something we started um, last year, actually. It is, um, there's a Dan Salcedo of, of the BTF, a youth, youth engineer uh, performance coach. We, we're speaking to him and he's like, oh, it would be great for them to get, to get involved. And then Fintan Kennedy, one of, from Jersey, they kind of masterminded this idea. We said, yeah, we, obviously, this is, this is exactly what we want to do, the future of the sport. Give them the chance to have the same experience as the pros, race on the same, uh, on, on the same course. And, and we, we started it last year. It was fantastic. I mean, at the time you had Alastair Brownlee doing the race briefing, etc. So a, a, a great experience all around. And uh, we thought, okay, maybe like 30, 40 kids will show up. I think last year we had 80, 90 kids showing up. So that was already beyond the expectations. They said, oh, well, why don't we try to grow it and add it? We added it in Singapore. Now we had it in Jersey with over 100 youth and junior athletes coming. And here in, in, uh, in Malta also again. So. I, I, I'm very excited about that because that's just really what Super League has to be about, the future of the sport and giving all athletes who, who seek that future the opportunity to have that experience. 
It does seem from talking to a few of the juniors, a lot of them really feel as though like this is a series that is going to help us develop. And I think yeah. your average 15-year-old can't see a way to, to ITU or the Olympics, but yeah. the fact they get an invite directly to here and the mixing with all the pro athletes you yeah. see on TV is incredible, isn't it? Yeah, I think indeed. I think that's 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 what we what we want to offer, right? And it's also the experience of of this form of style of racing. I think that that helps an athlete shape, right? And and, and really get better at at, at triathlon, right? And um, yeah, and having the experience to do it on the same course as the pros on the same day of the course. Some of them actually then qualifying to race with the pros in the semi-finals. I think it's fantastic. Yeah, it gives a great opportunity. Yeah, so one of the cool things here is then you've got a couple of juniors who win their event. They get an invite for the race that afternoon to go and race in the yeah. semi-finals with the pros. That's a brilliant idea, exhausting but brilliant. Yeah. Well, we had it in we had it in Jersey. Uh, Simon from Germany, he 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 won that right, and uh, he then actually raced in the semi-finals. In the semi-finals, he out sprinted. I forgot who it was, but he out-sprinted uh, and that gave him, put him in the top 15. So he's actually qualified for the finals. But then because I, because of already a heavy training load and obviously a full day of racing, he decided to not, not take that, right? Um, and then a couple of weeks later, I texted him on Instagram and said, mate, why don't you come to Malta uh, and, 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 and give it a real go, right? And now he's here, so I'm very excited to see what he will do. Yeah. Well, I met him at the, the pro briefing yesterday and he's just so excited that he's here. <laughs> it's like you can see in his face, he's got big wide eyes and he's yeah. like, I can't believe I've made it here. Yeah, no, no. That's uh, look. I, I think that's what we want to do with Super League. Is just show that flexibility and, and engage, engage the athletes and create opportunities that 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 inspire and engage, right? And I think like uh, Simon is one example, but I think a lot, I hope that a lot of other kids will jump in and say, I want to do that, right? And I'll maybe I'll have a chance. I'll give it a go, right? And growing, ultimately, I think. Uh, I, uh, what we want to achieve is get more people into triathlon and seeing triathlon as a career, right? And I say, oh, there's a, the pursuit of dreams is possible, right? And enable that and empower that, really. Well, one of the other cool things you do is it's interesting to hear the pros talk about the outreach into schools program that you do around every one of the events. Well, tell us a bit more about that. Well, I mean, I think, look, when the idea, uh, the whole idea for Super League is, is fairly simple. Ultimately, here's a sport that, that I've I've loved since I'm from Belgium. So 1996, Luc van Lieder was the first European to win Ironman Hawaii. We're all cycling crazy, and then he sa- we suddenly thought, okay, here's another endurance sport that we're good at, right? So everybody started doing triathlon, including me, right? So, and, si- and since then, obviously, the sport has developed before that also, but since then, the sport has continued to develop to be a great participation sport, right? And um, I've run my share of races, and I see, look, here is a sport that actually can do so much more, right? And that from a professional element is, I would say, underdeveloped, right? So there's a great opportunity, and then we aligned with like-minded people like, like Leonid and with Chris to say, okay, let's let's jump on that because we have here the the mix of talent and the mix of means to make that to make that happen, right? So the whole idea is, all right, take a spectator uh, a participation sport and, and, and tr- make it into a spectator sport, right? But obviously that comes with engaging sponsors and host venues, right? Host venues being crucial uh, and again for us to profile ourselves and to be attractive I think a rounded package is important so that's why we said okay we need to it's not only about tangibles but it's also about the intangibles right the tangibles media value direct economic impact etc we can measure that but it's also about the intangibles what does the community feel right and I think that is something that is very very important and we do a lot of research around even we, we go and research what for example UCI World Championships impact in Yorkshire is right on the non-fans yeah. and so it's understanding what can Super League do for the non-triathletes in, 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 a, in a venue where they go right and well in Jersey for example we did we, Jersey three weeks ago we did the survey and we found that 
80 people, 80 percent of the people who did not attend the event, who just well, couldn't care less, so to say, right, were actually proud that Super League was in Jersey. So they they still had that emotional attachment, and I think that's that is delivered by what the athletes do in the week build around it, right? It's about everybody gets to hear them on the radio, they know that their kids saw them in school or they know that they're going out and, and doing something in the community and, and it makes everybody proud, even if they, they don't care about the race or they don't, they don't care about triathlon as such, right? So I think that's, that's a very important part of what we are developing. All right, last question then. How long before you're going to bring this event to Great Britain? How long before we have our own Super League Great Britain? Come on, you're on the spot now. Uh, not too long, not too long. Yeah, we, really? Awesome. Uh, well, we, we, we're working hard on that. For us, I mean, obviously, we have some great venues, but I think for us, we want to break into the, the, the big triathlon markets, right? Germany, France, the UK. And obviously, the UK and France are our two key priorities because there's great athletes there. There's a lot of interest there, so we're working hard on that. But it's, you know... It's, it needs a, a complete alignment of, of different things, right? Because we are looking for venues that have an impact. We are looking at venues that are also, if you go to the UK, that are easily accessible to give not only triathlon fans, but again, that wider that wider community experiences, right? To, to see some exciting races. But yeah, we're almost there. You heard it here first, everyone. Michael, thank you very much for your time. Cheers. There we go. That wraps up our Super League specials held. It's... It's funny sitting here, Grandma's dining room. There's frost on the cars outside. It's a very nice morning, actually, but the clocks have changed and it's chilly. And I'm thinking yeah. back, we were just a week. There's something about going away somewhere, isn't there? And just being in the hot, just you get on a plane and it's a completely different season somewhere else. Oh, yeah, it 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 just seems completely. Ah, oh, I was having to pinch myself when I was out there, as I said a few times, and. Um, it almost seems unreal that we that we were even there um, when you get back yeah. into the routine. But as you say, I think that's the same. Like, you know, when you, you come back from anywhere and you think, oh, yeah, that was great. And then pretty quickly, just like bang, back to um, back to the real world. Um, yeah. And, and similar, Rob, I, I was up like looking out the window now. It, it's just, you know, a little bit gloomy, I reckon. Oh bless! Bit bit gloomy, but um, yeah, it was amazing. And so thanks once again to um, Super League Triathlon and Visit Malta for looking after us so well when we were out there. And if you have missed any of the Super League specials, then head back into iTunes or go into Spotify um, and go and listen to them. Seriously, there's some really good nuggets in the interviews that we did um, that you might have missed. So go back, listen to it, and. Um, yeah, just relive the the fun and the excitement of the Super League Triathlon Malta. And also, I think it's worth saying to everybody, it was, wasn't really on our radar, was it, before we went out to watch it? And we were both blown away by how brilliant a weekend it was in terms of, like, getting to watch the racing so up close and the fact you can see the athletes three times on every lap. It makes for a brilliant weekend away at the end of a season for... I. I wouldn't usually be the kind of person who goes away to watch something. I would yep. always go away to do something. Yep. Yep. So to get to do the little fun age group race as well, I was saying to my mates, it would make a great sort of end of season fun holiday to fly yes. away for a weekend. You leave on Friday evening, you come back Sunday evening, you've watched all these races and got some photos and selfies and autographs and you're back in work on Monday, yeah. on Monday lunchtime, certainly even if you can't make the flights line up. So well worth thinking about going out to to watch something where you get great access to really big name athletes in a way that you 
you probably don't at a big other big events the itu ones or you know big ironman's arguably i suppose you might get to but yeah well worth thinking about trips around somewhere warm at the end of next season yeah definitely 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 now then hells tell us about what's going on with your trophy because we got to mention it last week yeah, didn't we yeah we give did us, mention give us the proper it. chat give us the whole explanation because your favorite norwegian has become everyone's favorite norwegian <laughs> off the back of this <laughs> okay so if you haven't yet heard the post-race interview i did with christian blumenfeld in the finals episode from super league triathlon malta you can hear actually at the very beginning of the interview can't, can't and he says do you want it and i just didn't even i it, that went over my head anyway what he was saying was do you want my trophy as in his super league triathlon malta runners-up trophy and i just thought oh, i'm just going to hold it during the interview um and then fine whatever and then i'll give it back and i said look here you go and he said no 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 you can have it i said really he said yeah you can have it i said no 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 he said no 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 you can keep it so then i sort of thought okay uh right oh, you sure great okay thank you that's really <laughs> kind um can i borrow your pen please thank you yep so someone had a silver pen so i said look can you sign it so he signed it and i said to him christian how would you feel if i used it to try to raise some money for the charity that i work for so it's called move it's really really small charity but it does amazing stuff and it supports young people affected by cancer basically to help them get fitter and to get stronger um whether they're sort of after treatment or during treatment and then it also supports other age ranges through the 5k your way initiative which is linked to park run so it does incredible stuff but it's so so small and i work for them as a cancer and exercise rehabilitation specialist and so christian said no that, that's no that's fine and so there we go that was how the story came about so then i put it on just giving so it's justgiving.com forward slash fundraising forward slash favorite Norwegian and basically I'm asking people to donate and for every pound that you donate you're going to get entered into a raffle to try to win Christian's signed trophy and then Lucy Gossage who's obviously also involved in you know she's an oncologist she's heavily involved and she's a co-founder of 5k your way she's thrown in a triathlon top and then there'll be some goodies as well from Super League Triathlon. So, Rob, I set a target of £400, which is how much it costs to support one young person through the online programme for eight weeks to help them build up their fitness and strength. Within 48 hours, totally smashed that target. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. What's the new target then? So, well, I, I, maybe 800 quid because then we could help. Quid, yeah. Yeah, eight hundred pounds. So I'll change it and um, I'll edit that. So yeah, justgiving.com forward slash fundraising forward slash favorite Norwegian. And it's a very cool trophy as well. It's, it'd be a very very cool thing to have in your office for sure, and amongst your training stuff. 
signed by Christian Blumenfeld. Who knows? We reckon probably future Kona winner as well. Get in now. <laughs> we super, super famous. <laughs> Definitely. So uh, you have until midnight on November the 30th, 2019. Fantastic stuff. We'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. So all you've got to do is go into Spotify or iTunes, find the show notes, click the link, and it'll take you right to the page. Oh, Robin, one other thing. I did email him and said, you know, thanks again for the trophy. Um, I hope you weren't offended <laughs> that I've decided to try to raise some money through it. Uh, and I said, you know, we've already raised a couple of hundred quid at that point. And he was like, oh, that's really cool. Nice. So, yeah. So there we go. Great stuff. Right, let us do Coach's Couch this week. Yep, so a question from Rick Heap who says, I've just done a two-hour steady ride. I tried to stick to the prescribed power numbers and while I kept the heart rate nice and steady, my power numbers were all over the place. Have you got any thoughts? Right, so great question for people who are new to using power meters. This is really addressing that concern and it also addresses the concern of the difference between riding with heart rate and riding with power and the difference you're going to get to see between the two. So obviously Rick's gone out and done his two hour steady ride at about the intensity that he thought. He's kept his heart rate in roughly the right place. But his power numbers, as he's looked down at his Garmin, were jumping up and down all over the place and not really making any sense to him. So I thought we'd talk through power numbers a little bit. So the first thing, Rick, is this is totally normal. The power numbers are basically calculated every single millisecond that you're pressing down on the pedals. So there's obviously different amounts of force going through the pedal at every point of the pedal stroke. So you can't just get one single number that tells you you are riding along at 150 watts. What we have to do is we have to use the Garmin to make some sense of the information in a way that our brains can can basically read it. And the way we do that is we tell it how often to show us the number. So you've got an option in your Garmin to look at either one second average, 10 second average, or 30 second average power. And my advice to you is to have the 10 second and 30 second average numbers on your Garmin in front of you. Again, the 10 second number is still gonna move around quite a lot because it only takes a very small acceleration to change the power massively to mess those numbers up. So the 30 second average is gonna be the one that makes kind of in inverted commas most sense to your brain. The other thing I'd have you do is have a field on your Garmin that says average power for this lap. And whenever your terrain changes, so if you go from riding on the flat to riding uphill, you go from riding uphill to riding downhill, just hit the lap button on your Garmin. And what that's going to do is it'll tell you what your average power has been since the last time you hit the lap button. So you get to know the idea of the average power you've done on this climb. And in a way, that, that makes for a really nice number to look at, because if you know that you're trying to hold, say, 150 watts for your zone two steady ride, if you're riding uphill and the average power for this hill section is 250 watts, it tells you you've been going way too hard on this climb. And that's really what the power meter is useful for. It's to teach us that how things feel are not necessarily how they actually are. And coming out of corners, going up hills, we often put out much, much more power than it feels like we are doing. So we have to learn that that is having an effect on the physiology. We need to dial it down a bit on the hills and coming out of corners. So yeah, Rick, it's a, it's a learning experience using your power meter. It's not something that you're going to get used to straight away. Just use these 10 second, 30 second and your average lap power numbers and kind of use the art of learning to read the Garmin as well as the accuracy of, of using it 
um, which is not quite as easy as the numbers that will come when you're riding it indoors on the turbo. Okay, so that's our coach's couch bit. If you're interested in finding out about more for coaching with Team Oxygenetics, you can talk with me over Skype. There's a link in the show notes. Just pop your email address in there and I'll email you to work out a time that works for us both. Cool. Right, Hells, a bit of news then. We've seen some stuff going on with Ironman Florida next coming weekend. But first up, a shout out to our sponsors, Precision Hydration. It sounds like people racing in Ironman Malaysia could have done with some pH in the bottles, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. Very hot. Very, very, very hot. Imagine how much Precision Hydration I'd have to take over with me if I was racing in Malaysia. I'd need a whole suitcase full of white powder, wouldn't I? That sounds very dodgy, Rob. It wouldn't be ideal going through customs, would it? It's very touchy. <laughs> no, no, no. It's just electrolyte salts. <laughs> Seriously, though, precision hydration make electrolyte salts in different strengths. So if you're a really salty sweater like I am or a really heavy sweater or you're going to race somewhere that's really hot that's going to make you really sweaty, you need to take care of your electrolytes. And it's super important to realize that most off-the-shelf drinks don't have anywhere near enough sodium in there to replace what the average person loses in sweat. When we had Andy Blow on the show, he told us that like the average um, buy-off-the-shelf in the supermarket electrolyte drink has only got about half the amount of electrolytes in that the average person needs. So if you drink that even, you're still going to be net negative on your sodium. And that's got a massive effect on your performance because sodium affects how your body balances water within your body. And it also affects whether you get hideous cramps as well or not. So if you've not tried it before, you can get 999's worth of free product using the code OxygenAddict. And if you have tried it, get over and use their online sweat test. And that'll tell you whether you're a very salty or a very heavy sweater and help you figure out exactly what the uh, concentration of pH you need in your bottles is. Nice one. I think it's going to be hot and sweaty in Florida, Hells. Do you reckon? I've, I've never been to somewhere I've never been. Yes, it's hot and sweaty all year round down in Florida, but I think particularly this kind of year, the, the coming out of hurricane season, but it's it's hot and it's humid down there. Mm. Well, mm. so it's going to be a pro race for the first time, I think since 2014. Yeah, it's been a long it. time, hasn't it? I was looking back and it's it's got names like uh, Tom, Tom Lowe. Lowe I know. Second last time it was run yeah. and the swim got cancelled that year didn't it yes it did it was a um so it turned into sort of a a, a bike run didn't it yeah it did yeah uh, so yeah not since 2014 has there been a pro race in florida it's it's been renowned as being a a real sort of age group draft fest that race really really super flat course with big packs forming so if you're going to go and race down there race fair everybody that's the that's the key to it in terms I like of your the plea product, there rob <laughs> a plea that ain't gonna happen it's one of those things though isn't it you know what you're gonna get if you go to florida you know how it's going to be. Everyone's going to end riding up in big packs and bunches of people. Mm. There's always going to be somebody goes and films it from the roadside and says, look at all these cheaters. But it's just the nature of riding on flat courses with two and a half thousand people. So, Like Barcelona or parts exactly, of Italy. Yep. Exactly that, yeah. So you're going for a fast time. Good luck to you all. On the men's side, who's your pick, Hells? Well, to be honest, Rob, I don't... I, I, I'm going to say I honestly don't know because there are so many names on this start list. I mean, there are 43, 44, 45, 47 names. Pro men. Pro men. <laughs> and who knows how many of them are actually going to be competing. Yeah. Um, because, as we said, I imagine that a lot will have 
entered um just as a sort of as a i guess as a backup um after or Kona. yeah after Kona or looking to get your early uh, Kona qualification sorted for for next year so yeah there's two slots going and 47 on the start list so the <laughs> the big names we have got so Ben Hoffman's down he was fourth in Kona wasn't he mm-hmm. so he won't have a slot so far mm-hmm. uh Skipper's down um, Brent McMahon, Andy Starkowitz, Rudy Wilde, Matt Russell. So they're the, the really big names. Yeah, yeah. Jeff Spenceman as well. Sam Proctor's going to be down on the start list. I'm going to go with... Come on, let's have a pick. Let's have a little prediction. Come on. I'm going with Joe Skipper. I think it's about time he won Florida. Okay, I like that. I'm going to go with Joe Skipper. Okay, good, good. Um, oh, Robert, I honestly... No, I don't know. I, I, I'm out. <laughs> I don't know because <laughs> I don't know who's competing or not. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I, I don't know. That's really boring, isn't it? Well, I think Starkey will, will ride. He's just finished. He's just come off Wacko. Second at Wacko, hasn't he? Yeah. In Texas. Yeah. Um. So we know he's probably used that as a sharpener. So he'll probably go nuts on the bike, as always. Yeah. Let's see what happens, eh? Let's Once see what happens. Down. Skipper yeah. and Hoffman. See, that'll be good. Yeah. 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 Cool. This is, yeah. Tune in next week to find out, I guess. Hey? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Feels <laughs> <laughs> good. All right, then. I think we need to just about wrap this up then. Yeah, there, I think we could. We? I think we are there, Rob. I think I think we are there. Um, yeah, I did a little run at the weekend. Yeah, how'd you feel? Oh, the calf's a bit sore. Um, it was a race called the, it used to be called the Langley Seven, because it was in a little village called Langley, and it was seven miles. Uh, it's no longer in Langley, so it's now called the Not Langley Seven, <laughs> or the Langley Not Seven, something like that. And I think it's the Not Langley Not Seven. Oh my God! Anyone who was out racing in the UK on Saturday, it was like running through a river for eight, seven or eight miles. It was insane. The moment you started, absolutely sodden. And then there were parts where the walls of fields had been, I guess, washed away. Just washed away. So then there was just rivers going across the road. And, yeah, you were running through water up to your sort of shins at, and your knees pretty much at, at one point. And, um, yeah, it was one of those ones whereby you get back to the finish line and you're thinking, well, I, I actually really liked it. I really yes. enjoyed it. I knew um, you would. You yeah, always do. Well, it took me back to year eight playing tennis in year eight in the in the tennis rain yeah just i just remember uh just playing tennis once in it was pouring it down at school (laughs) and so it was like that happy happiness of this is really ridiculous and most people wouldn't be doing this but there was something quite special about it so there there you go go. that was my uh, not like seven experience helen's diary yeah (laughs) and on that note bye (laughs) On that random note, right, listen, thanks very much to our sponsors, precisionhydration.com and thriver.co. And remember, get over to justgiving.com forward slash fundraising forward slash favorite Norwegian to make a donation and be in with a chance to win Christian Blumenfeld's signed trophy from Super League. Try with our hells. Awesome. Thanks for listening, everybody. I'm Coach Rob Wilby. I'm Helen Murray. 
and have a great safe training and racing week everybody and if you get the chance go out and run in the rain and remember your year eight tennis <laughs> i'll see you all again next week <laughs> cheers see ya